Hello, Glampreneurs. Welcome back to season two of Life After Beauty School, aka Labs. I took a break recently to refocus and realign my goals, my life, and how I wanted to show up for you guys on all social media platforms. During that time, I had the opportunity to interview someone very special to me. After the interview, I came up with the series called Family Matters, because sometimes the lines get blurry when you're running your business. The lines between being present for your family, living up to expectations, and feeling guilty for working. All are real feelings, and we're going to talk about those things in the next episodes. This week is about expectations, and I interviewed someone whose expectations of me really mattered, and it adjusted the path I took for my life. So if you've ever felt this way, take a listen. Welcome to Life After Beauty School, What I Wish Someone Told Me, a podcast for glampreneurs who want to take their business to the next level. If you struggle with building your clientele, marketing yourself on social media, working long hours behind the chair, or maybe you've been in the beauty industry for a while and you're tired of hustling and ready to run an effective business, you might want to stop and take a listen because this podcast is for you. I'm Deandra Giselle, hairstylist, business coach, and educator. I discuss real action plans and solutions to help you live a wealthy life. Now let's get into this podcast. Hello, Glampreneurs. Welcome to Life After Beauty School, aka Labs. I'm your host, Deandra Giselle, and today I'm switching gears from business and marketing and talking about expectations, your family members' expectations. Before I dive into that, I would like for you to first leave a review, leave a rating by taking a screenshot of the podcast cover and sharing it on your favorite social media platforms. Today, I have a very special guest that knows me better than I know myself. He is a retired art teacher and principal and a business entrepreneur himself. He runs a global business. And most importantly, he's my dad. Hi, dad. Thank you so much for coming. This is Mr. Thomas L. Johnson Jr. the second. Did I say it right? Yes, you did. (laughs) I I know it's a mouthful, but I didn't have control of that name. Uh, My mom did that one. So she said she wanted uh, me to be different, even though there's a million Thomas Johnsons, but very few Thomas L. Johnson Jr. the seconds out there. So, yes. Uh, So this is my dad. This is my daddy. And if you guys don't know, I am a daddy's girl. So dad, Thank you so much for coming on the Lab Podcast. It's my pleasure, dear. I've always been proud of you. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here with you. You know, you, uh, I'm glad that I have done things in my life to inspire you and the rest of the kids to want to go out there and do your own thing. I've always said you need to do that and you're you're doing that. Uh, You're even uh, doing some of the things in my own field, teaching and doing all kinds of stuff and just moving forward. We're more than proud of you. 
Well, thank you. But wait, before you get into all that, let's let me tell the listeners, let me tell the glampreneurs why I have you on here. I brought my dad on here because we're talking about family. We're talking about expectations and managing the expectations of your loved ones. And my dad was one of uh, the people that had a big impact on the direction my career went. And it's funny because when I went to go visit my dad just recently, I interpreted something he said different than how he meant it. And that happens all the time when it comes to family members. And my dad's like, what are you talking about? (laughs) But we're going to get into that. Here's one of the things we're going to dive into that. So when I was getting ready to go to uh, college, I was graduating from high school, going into college. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Remember that? Yes, I do. And so I asked my dad and I asked my mom and I asked whomever, my sister, some of my favorite teachers, some ideas on what I should do. And I I told my dad I was interested in being a cosmetologist. And what he said was, do you really want to work and stand on your feet all day? So I took that as he doesn't want me to be a hairstylist. But recently we talked and that's not what he meant at all. Before you explain that, dad, tell me when I came to you as a parent trying to figure out like my where do I want my life to go? What was like some of your first thoughts? Well, one of my first thoughts, I, I knew how, how smart you really are. And I've watched you as you've grown and anything that you tackled, you accomplished. I just wanted to make sure that whatever you chose, that you were sure that's what you really, really wanted to do. Not just because somebody said, this is cool, this is whatever, but what you really wanted. Because Mm -hmm. the worst thing to do is to jump into something just because somebody said something and find out your ladder's on the wrong building and you you climb those runs and you look over and you say, oops, I'm on the wrong building and I've spent all these years in this profession. What do I do now? And sometimes it can be almost too late to switch up. Mm -hmm. But that was my thoughts. Right. And so your thoughts was, I want want you to look at every from all angles, like you threw this idea at me and I want you to look at it all angles, but being immature, right? Cause we know at high school, when I look back graduating from high school, I don't, I'm not mature. You know what I mean? I'm not looking at it from that perspective. And I thought that by you asking me that simple question, he doesn't want me to be a hairstylist. Okay. He doesn't want me to do that. I'm going to go to college and figure it out when I get there. So that's how that came about. You mentioned that you wanted to make sure I looked at all avenues, but when I said that specific career, what was your thought process? My thought process was simply this. My mother, brilliant woman, and you mirror her so much. She had uh, a chain of salons in the San Francisco Bay Area, several in the Oakland, Richmond area, and a couple, several more in San Francisco itself. And she worked a lot of hours. And I remember she even did uh, stuff in the house. Uh, uh, some of her closest friends would come to the house. And she was always talking about her feet. Now, in those days, women did things in high heels all the time. I mean, 
stilettos. Uh, I mean, they, I mean, she was always on, done up. I mean, because in those days, you know, you had to look super pretty. You had to wear these special little outfits and she did it all. And then uh, of course she was running the other shops too. And she was always on her feet, but she always complained about her feet. And I used to massage her feet when I got much older and I would do that for her. And that was one major thing. She says, if I, I said, I love what I'm doing, but if I could do this without standing on my feet, I'd stay here forever. Mm-hmm. But in, as time went on, she decided to change her um, profession and, and she went into education where yes, she was on her feet somewhat, but not like she was as, as an operator mm. in, in the day. So that's interesting because for those of you guys who are listening, just that one comment changed the way I thought and what he meant. So he was just like, look at all perspectives. And I took it as he doesn't want me to be in this field because he's questioning it. And instead of having a conversation about it, what this is, I've been out of school, high school, almost 20 years now. And you guys better not do no math to see how old I am. (laughs) But because I'm like, wait, I had my college 10 year reunion. Just that one thing changed. And the reason why I brought my dad on here again is so that you understand how to manage the expectations. And a lot of times with family, things go unsaid. Now, I think that everything happens for a reason where you're supposed to be, you will end up being right. And I'm listening to the story and I'm like, wow, I am marrying her. But without going to college, I don't know if I can now say that I'm a coach, right? I took the path and I went to college, which you encouraged me to go out of state. Okay, I'm originally from Washington state. My dad was advocate about me going out of state. And why is that? Because I wanted you to have some great experiences in life mm. so that not just being educated, but not only that, when you came with a list of colleges and um, you were looking at all kinds of colleges, so you had listings on there of colleges overseas, uh, like the one that, well, it would have been great if you went every time you opened your mouth and said it, all I saw was dollar signs and that was Cambridge and uh, in England. And I was like, wow, why does she want to go there? But it was just on your list. And you chose, finally um, uh, settled on Bethune-Cookman, which I thought was an excellent choice. Then I I also knew of the sororities that was there too. So I didn't know if you would become part of that because like I said, you mirrored your your grandmother because she was uh, Delta. And And when your girlfriends found out you were, your grandmother was a Delta, then they swept you away and then you became a legacy Delta. The reason why I chose colleges out of the U.S., international, was because in my mind, if I was going to go to college, I wanted to go to the furthest one I could go to away from where I was from. So that was my thought process. But I do know that you were strong on going to college. So why did you think that going to college versus straight to beauty school was a better direction? Because I wanted you to have more tools in your toolbox. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I wanted you, you know, you can be a great musician or great stylist or any and any of those fields. The thing is, if you choose to make it a business, 
of your own, you need to have those other skills of how to run the business. I mean, you could be the greatest hairstylist on the planet or the greatest colorist on the planet or cosmetologist on the planet. And you say, well, I wanna have a business. Well, if you don't know how to put that piece together, then you're gonna be a total failure or you're gonna get ripped off so badly that you may even leave the profession and that's totally wrong. And that's what's wrong with a lot of people who decide to go in business, but have no business skills. Mm, okay? Dad, no you're skills preaching. Whatsoever. You're preaching, Daddy. Well, <laughs> that That's true. That is very true. And I, looking back, hindsight, sometimes you have an idea and you don't know where to go. You just know you have this, this idea in front of you. And when you reach out to your loved ones and they put their two cents in, and I'm not saying take their two cents in a way and a negative way, but it's something to consider because in my mind, you know, my dad was stressing college, 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 and I did go, but had I not went, I can't say I I'm doing, I would be doing as well as I'm doing now because a lot of my friends that went to beauty school first and now they're going back to school or taking classes or courses or hiring a business coach to help them with the business portion because they went to school for beauty school first, not necessarily college. But again, I had this idea and I really didn't know the best way to approach it. And so when it comes to managing family expectations or loved one expectations, sometimes you, you have to take what they say with a grain of salt. Right, dad, like you have to think about it and, you know, decide, okay, I'm going to think on that for a moment. Is that going to be helpful or is it going to deter me from my ultimate goal? Right. And so I I think hindsight, looking back, I've, I feel now that's what you were trying to do. But at the time I really took it as you didn't want me to be a hairstylist. Right, right. I was uh, asking you that the question, are you sure this is what you want to do? Because Mm -hmm. have you considered blah, 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 as you are looking to do this, are you sure? Have you looked at this? Have you looked at that? And I, and from your point of view, seeing it through your eyes, I can see is, what are you talking about? You, you, you're just saying you don't want me to do this. Mm-hmm. No, I want you to do whatever you want to do, and I'll support you a thousand percent, but I want you to be sure you know this is really what you want to do. One thing I'll say about you, because you went to college um, you also, in, in the business courses and whatnot that you took, when you decided to do something, you always came back to us and said, Dad, I got a, dis- I got a business plan. This is my business plan. What do you think of it? And we mm-hmm. would look at it and say, oh, that, that looks pretty good. You really thought this out. Then I'd ask, is this what you really want? And you'd say, yes. Or you'd say, well, maybe I need to go back and look at this again. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it caused you pause to really think about, is this where I want to go? I mean, you had lots of opportunities when you came back and you made your mind up. You showed your business plan where you wanted to go in the current profession that you have flourished in. And because you went to college and had the business sense behind it, look how much your company grew when you finally got to Los Angeles and found out which laws and whatnot there of that state, look what you, how you turned your things around and how quickly things grew 
rather than you not going to college mm -hmm. because then you wouldn't have had the business sense to, to do know how to do it. Absolutely. So that's, that's key. Yeah, I agree. So that kind of answers uh, my next question, which was you being an artist yourself. So I mentioned that my dad was an art teacher, but he actually is an artist from a photographer to creating spaceships what you've created everything like I have a quick story guys quick story my dad when I lived in Washington and my son was in elementary school my son had an art project and it was to build a snowman and I'm like I I don't want to do it so who's best to take him to well take him to grandpa and grandpa will help him I picked my son up and he has a paper mache snowman with his own case to safely be carried to school styrofoam for the snow I'm like dad he's in kindergarten no one's gonna believe <laughs> no one's gonna believe he made this he helped he helped a lot <laughs> dad completely took over the project so he is an artist himself so with that being said do you feel like education should always be the first route before creativity? Because I do think that we separate creativity from education and maybe we shouldn't. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes we think that here's education on this hand and I'm creative and I don't really need to go to school to be a creative. I think that's the wrong thought pattern because when I taught art, I was, I was an art teacher and then I became head of the art department. And my art classes, if anybody ever came to one of my art classes, my art classes was very, very educational. We taught science in that class. We taught history in that class. Uh, we taught uh, economics in that class. And that's all due with materials. We taught structural engineering in that class because art encompasses all the other subjects, even music that make you feel like you want to create. And so if you were down the hall coming to my class, you'd think when you got there, you'd see the kids kind of walking on the ceilings and doing crazy. But when you came to my art class, everybody was on task. And there was a lot of mathematics in my class. I mean, just mixing colors, we used algebra to mix color formulas. I created color formulas so that if you were painting on a particular painting, for example, regardless what media you were in, there was a formula for that. And if you had to stop in the middle of it, then the next day you come back to pick up. Well, and you had to learn how to blend your colors. We didn't buy any colors that were pre-mixed because I wanted you to actually know what you were doing. Okay. So then we had a formula for that so that when you did go back, you put your formula together as you had the day before. And when you paint, yes, the paint is wet looking and the color is little, looks a little off, but when it dries, it matches every time. Mm. So if I had kids that were drawing and painting, those, those are the days when we had junior high school. But when they were in, because um, it was sixth, seventh and eighth grade then, if they were in sixth grade and they took me three years, by the time they were in uh, sixth, seventh, when they were in eighth grade, they were painting and uh, drawing on first year college level, which was totally and, unheard of. And, well, I and that is because you were incorporating the education component. That is correct. To the creativity. That is correct. So if you are a glampreneur out there and you are not sure, everyone's process is different. 
right? So like they could, if I went to beauty school straight from high school, there are ways to get the education you need to run your business, but to separate education from creativity, dad, you believe that that's, that's the wrong path. Idea. I believe that's idea. the wrong path because I've seen so much success from those the kids that I've taught through the years where they ended up. And I have one of the paintings, as you've seen on above my mantle, of a eighth grader. One of the things they had to do is leave one of their works of art with me to show the other kids that are coming through, it is possible to show mm -hmm. them, this is the path I took. And, and you've seen that one of the ships in the harbor. Mm -hmm. And it's beautiful. It's People don't believe that an eighth grade student actually did that. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. So then you being an artist, are there any regrets that you have being a creative and an artist? And the reason why I'm asking him this is because the path of someone who is in the creative field is very similar. As Harris House, you are a creative. You are a creative. You're someone who's creating things. And it's interesting to see someone who may not be in the same field, but they're still creative. What do they think about, you know, their past. So dad, is there any regrets that you have as an artist that would be helpful to someone who's in a creative field? I really don't have any regrets because being creative and being uh, business-like, I was both. I used creativity into business. I'm still creating. Mm -hmm. I'm creating a business, designing the business, helping other people to design theirs based upon their goals and dreams and what they want. That's the same thing as what students want in creativity as far as in art, the piece that they're trying to create. I'm trying to teach them to create it, but also teach, teaching them the elements of creation. They can also learn how to walk away from it a little bit mm -hmm. so they can sit back and look at it and say, okay, I, okay, let's go back and, and, and do this or I'm done with it. Yeah, that's good to, to look at it that way, that when you're creating a business, you are actually creating a business. <laughs> so yeah. it's still part of creativity. Even that kind of was an aha moment for me, because I'm thinking that even though some of the things that you have to do within a business isn't the funnest. So you guys know that the very first episode of Labs Life After Beauty School was about taxes and how to prepare for taxes. That isn't what we would consider creative or fun, but it is necessary when it comes to running your business, but you're designing your business. So eventually you could have someone else do it, but because you were at the ground the start of it you know how to run it you know what you should be looking for but at at the end of the day if you don't find those things fun or creative I have my quotations here creative then you look at it from a perspective that you are creating a business and that's part of creativity you have to have a vision or a goal in mind before you can just run a bit, you can't just decide, oh, I'm going to have a business. There was a vision, there was goals, there was creativity that happened to make that, that business come to life. In creating your business, there's no prerequisite. You have to like every aspect of creation. creation. I remember a time when you were learning what you were doing and color doing color killed you. I hated it's, it. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. But, but. Look at you now. 
all that pain that you went through paid off. Yes, it did. You know, and so it is all about, it's all about all the pieces going together, building the foundation so that you make sure you understand what you're doing. And when you understand what you're doing, then you start loving what you do. That is true. I absolutely hated color. And I actually had my friend Alyssa formulate for me, which really hindered me leaving beauty school. If you were to go back to the day we talked about the next steps after high school, would you tell me anything differently? So if you would have went back when I came back to you, if we could go in a time machine and go back to that moment and I can, you can hear me say, dad, I don't know what I want to do after high school. You know, I'm thinking about being a hairstylist. Would there be anything you would tell me differently? I really don't think so because in the, and in, in, if we went back in that time machine, you also wanted to be an attorney and you were looking at international law. And because of that, I had connections in Washington, D.C., at Howard University, as well as Washington, D.C. law firms. And we had mapped out for you, once you uh, got to a certain point uh, from Bethune Cookman, when you switched over to go to Howard, you went to Howard Law School, and then we had an attorney's office all set up. And you would have been successful at whatever you chose to do. So those were the two paths that we were looking at, but you chose along the way to change your major and you wanted, you wanted to do publicity. Actually, I didn't have a major. Okay, I went to, yeah, I went to Cookman and I, I didn't have a major. I didn't decide. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I, I think that public relations was appealing to me. Public relations and advertising is what I went to school for. It was appealing to me because it allowed me to dibble and dabble in everything. When you do PR, at that time, I wanted to do PR and entertainment. And so I thought that it would be fun that I had to know a little bit about radio and I had to learn a little bit about TV and I had to know how to be a journalist and all these mediums that you have to know to represent your client or to get a message out there, whatever it may be. And that's why I chose it because I felt like it was a good umbrella. Because of how I took what you said, I didn't even, I put hairstyling out of my mind and went straight to school. And now I do all of those things surrounding yes. hair. Yes, you do. <laughs> and you, you see how, um, I, I think it's a good thing that maybe you did take it differently than what I meant it because it, 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 enabled, it enabled you to go and experiment and find and look and look at you today because those same skills that you garnered while you were out there uh, trying to research and find your way, you're using every bit of that today. I mean, she always loved to talk, I'll tell you. And I don't know <laughs> oh, where, where did got I that get, from. <laughs> where did I get that from? <laughs> I have no idea. And so, uh, but, you know, and so all of that, and that's when I step back and take the look at what you've done is just incredible as you've brought all these things in and some of it you brought in subconsciously just become part of you. And so, and now you're using all those skills to create what you're creating today. 
Yeah, absolutely. And again, that goes back to what I said earlier, that wherever you're supposed to be, you're going to end up being there as long as you're making steps towards something. Because if I sat home all day and ate on the couch and watched Netflix and never pursued anything, I'm not really going anywhere. Let's just be honest. But when you start making steps towards something, even when you're not sure where to go or how to achieve it, you're taking steps. And you're going to end up being where you're supposed to be. I think that it, like you said, it was good that I took it that way. And I realized that when I went to Cosmo school, you supported me. You were like, yeah, you should do this. So as a parent of someone who is creative, you're a creative person, and now you have creative children. I know that there are parents who struggle with that. You know what I mean? Like you have some parents that don't understand a creative mind, but you did, but you also had a little bit of a business mindset, which now we know that you believe they should be together. What advice would you tell those parents who don't understand their children in the career path, a creative career path, or even an entrepreneur career path? What I would say to them is that you have to let your children live their own life. You cannot live your life through them. Uh, I see that all the time. I was a track coach a day when I was uh, teaching at a middle school or junior high school at that time. And I've always told my kids that dad will never live his life through you, but I will guide you the best I can for what's the best thing for you. In other words, If you ask me, dad, do you think this is where I should go? I will say, well, what do you think? Do you think this is good for you? Have you looked at this aspect? Uh, But I won't tell you no, because I want you to experience it as long as it's not gonna create, make you sick or put you in danger of life and limb. You need to experience life. And life, frankly, is hard. And you need to know it's hard. You know, they need to know the realities of life. And even if your your child gets their nose bloodied along the way, they know, well, I'm not going to do that one again because I don't want my nose bloodied again. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't know, my kids, is that I had an invisible safety net that dad was watching all the time. And if I'd let them get to a point where they just go over the edge, if they went over the edge, I was always the safety net to catch them on the other side. But they never knew that. But that was good because they go almost over the other side sometimes mm-hmm. and I'd let them fall for a few thousand feet and then they would catch themselves. But at the bottom, almost to the bottom, I was always there with a safety net. They would never touch the bottom, but they never knew that. So you got to let go. You got to release. You got to let them go and do what they need to do to experience things and They'll know, but they need those, they need those experiences in life. So then what was it like for you growing up? Because your your you know, grandma, she was a creative, but she also owned several businesses. So what did you say to her when you were finishing up school? Like what was your career path or goal? Well, things in my time were somewhat different. Um, my mom was, became a home economic school teacher. She had 
The only degree my mom didn't have is a doctorate. She chose not to do it. She could have, but she didn't want to do the doctorate's degree. She had, I'll say she had some work on it. And then she pulled out of it because she just thought, well, I don't really need that. And and they, when she was asked to be an administrator, but she didn't want to do that. She loved home economics and helping inner city school kids, as we call them today, inner city school or children that are at disadvantage. And that's what she liked to do. When I was graduating, I was looking to go to college. I wanted to be an architect. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine and I, we, when we were children, we used to design things all the time. So that's the direction I wanted to go. And I wanted to go to the University of Washington's uh, architectural school. The problem was, it cost money. <laughs> it wasn't free. And in my day, they didn't have pale grants or those kinds of things. You had to go to a bank and try to take out a loan. Mm-hmm. Well, my mom was a single parent raising uh, three kids. And so that wasn't happening. And so I was, so then I looked uh, at another way to go to college. And so that was through a special program uh, called Career Opportunities Program that, that was federally funded. And so I went through that, but that was geared towards education. So I looked at education to see, well, okay, the most creative thing was becoming an art teacher. So I chose that. That's why I chose that. And so I became an art teacher and, and then went and got the only degree I, I didn't have. I, I guess I'm a mirror of my own mom because I have half a doctorate. Mm. I don't know. But I pulled out of that because um, having a family and whatnot and seeing that you've paid 20 grand out there and I had to go and I had another 20 in the bank to finish it. But then I, the return on my investment was not very good. After I figured that out, I would have been making just an extra five hundred dollars. Oh yeah, a year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. So, so I pulled out of that program, and then uh, of course in those days I was all, already an entrepreneur. So therefore, I took that twenty, the other twenty, and went in business with two other guys in a telecommunications company. So you know what's so funny is that I'm thinking about just the mindset of an entrepreneur. And even though you were a art teacher, you know, teachers have the summer off and you held several jobs to ensure that your household was taken care of on top of trying to start your own business. And I think that that shows now I'm like, thinking about all this stuff, it shows that there is some sort of balance that has to happen when you are creative, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to stop doing it. And so if I take that back to glampreneurs here, there has to be a balance of living your life. And I don't like the word balance because there is no balance. Like it's just like this this shifting that has to happen. I think my sister says harmony, harmony has to happen, but there's a shifting of working family and doing what you have to do. And when I'm, I'm listening to you tell the story, you did that and you found art teacher as your way of creative. And then it took you catapult you into your other careers. Yes. That's, that's, I was like, whoa, I just made that whole connection. So what were your thoughts or what are your, what were your thoughts about the beauty industry when I talked to you about it first? 
Well, I thought it was a great industry. I know lots of money can be made in, in that industry. I know that you have to be spot on on your game if you're going to go in there because there's a million people out there doing it. Mm-hmm. I know that you got to find the right, if you're going to go into your own salon, become a, an operator yourself, you're going to have to make sure you have the right products for the right clients. You're going to have to know how to not, you're going to have to know how to cut every kind of hair on the planet, understand every kind of skin texture on the planet. That's the same thing I had to understand when I was a uh, professional photographer. Mm-hmm. To capture so, the es- essence of that individual and you're capturing the essence of that individual through hair and makeup. Yeah, absolutely. So you believed back then that it was a lucrative business and you can be successful. Has your eyes opened even more to what the industry has to offer? Because I think that where we lived or grew up in Washington, we don't get to see the scale. Well, then, right, social media, you can see a whole bunch now. But back then, it was like where you live is what you see unless you've traveled. Right. Now, do you feel like your eyes have opened up on how much more you can gain with the beauty industry? I have to tell you, absolutely. In my company, I have a division that uh, deals with all that you do and the products uh, that we've developed. Uh, it's a billion dollar industry. It is huge, just huge because I deal with international and it's the amount of money that women was like during COVID, for example, some people thought women, well, well, it's COVID and I don't have to put makeup on or comb my hair. Not so. We grew by 60% in that in, in, in just that area alone. Mm-hmm. It's well, because women had to do it by themselves. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and they were doing Zoom calls. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to look good. Yep. When they're on there. And they, then they learn how to do the lighting to get that right. Plus, they have to do the makeup right so that it looks right. Because they were the critics of other people when they do television shows and say, oh, look at her makeup. Look like if she sneezes, it all falls off. Okay. So, therefore, or something slips, you know, it's like an avalanche and all this, you know. <laughs> so, it's all at the end of her chin or something. Or you see the makeup lines along the chin and you're like, how come she didn't blend that in too well and you're looking at it so all those things we found that uh, women were making sure that they look very nice when that when the kid when the lights hit them it's like a lot of people don't know the news people they have makeup artists on the side before they come on oh yeah sure that they're not shining and all that good stuff you know so yeah it's it's very important okay so then the last thing is that We're talking about managing expectations of your family and your loved ones when it comes to what you want to do in your life, specifically being a glampreneur, which means a entrepreneur, hairstylist, or anything in the beauty industry. What are some key, because you've been a principal, so you dealt with very, a whole bunch of different students. What are some key things you would say to help someone manage the expectations that their parents may put on them or their loved ones may put on them? I would say, listen to what they have to say, take it in, do your own research because it's about what you want, not what they want you to have. Mm 
because the bottom line is you're the one that's going to be taking care of yourself. And if you're the kind of child, if that person's kind of child, like the children I have, my children really would not want me to tell them, no, you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. I would get such pushback. It'd be unbelievable. Rather than saying, as a parent, I said, okay, that sounds good. So have you looked at this aspect of it? And then whatever I say, I'm not saying to you that you take it for what I've said is the law. You take it as part of a suggestion to add to whatever you found out. And once you find out what you need for you, not for anybody else, then you can take all of that, put it in a capsule, shake it up, and hopefully you've, you can then make the right decision in the direction that you need to take. Wow, that's good. So what I hear, for those of you guys listening and thinking about it, or maybe you have had someone tell you something and you maybe you feel it's negative, maybe it is negative, but with everything that's being said, you listen, you take it in, you think about it and decide what pieces of it, which was what my dad was saying, you put it in a capsule, shake it up, see what bits and pieces you can take from it and create your own path, right? Absolutely. Okay, so that at the end of every single labs podcast, I ask the interviewee to give a quote, okay? And usually, if not, I usually share my quote of the week, but I want you to share with us a quote that they can take with them and listen for the rest of the week and maybe write it down or something to encourage them. So what's your quote? Well, actually, I have two quotes. I have one that is a family motto, I guess you could call it. And another one is a business quote. Okay. Family. Okay. The family quote is simply this. Once we get the facts, we're committed and we never, never retreat. Wait a minute. That's not how you say it. He, he watered it down for <laughs> you guys. That is, <laughs> go ahead and say how you normally say it and they can insert their own last name. Okay. All right. The Johnson's motto is simply this. Once committed, never retreat. Yes. Never retreat. And all six of our kids have that attitude. And because of that, all six are incredible, ingenious, creative people. And and they're not just that, but they're also good people, real people. And that's what we're so proud of, of all of that together. And they're still real human beings. Yes. So that first quote is, once committed, never retreat. What is your second quote? Our second quote, and this is a business quote, and this is uh, in our business and what we're focused on. We use our business to build people rather than using people to build our business. Mm. And I don't know any business that's like that on this planet because whatever business you have, or if you're working for somebody, you're just a cog in a wheel and you're expendable. And we do not believe any human being should be expendable because you're a human being. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what your beliefs are from religion to political or whatever, you're a human being. And we don't believe that you should be expendable. Awesome. 
Awesome. So those are your two quotes. Once committed, never retreat and use your business to build someone and not have your business to build them. I think I said that backwards, <laughs> but you guys know what I mean. Get your business Man. to help somebody <laughs> and you will get, you will. <laughs> Let me, I'll say it again. We use our business to build people rather than using people to build our business. Okay. So we're not using people to build our business. We're using our business to build people. Okay. So you guys. Write that down, have that as your motto as you build your foundation for your business, because guess what? That's going to help you stay in the right mindset to get what you want, because it's not always about dollar signs and what you can get, but you want to be giving and then it will repay you back. One other thing. Mm -hmm. The reason these quotes are the way they are, especially the, the business quote is because you must create a relationship between yourself and whomever you want to do business with. Right. If you don't create that relation, that bridge of trust, then you're lost because that's the most important thing. If you are building trust, creating a friend, you'll have a client forever and they will definitely spread the word that this is the person you need to go to because they're real people. Oh, guess what, guys? That is in another episode. So look back. That episode was talking about how to build your client and getting client retention. That's exactly what I spoke to you guys about. So use that quote to get you guys some clients and keep loyalty with your clients. Thank you so much for watching. If you don't know, you can follow me on social media. I am DeAndra Giselle on all social media platforms. If you're interested in following my dad, he is on Facebook and his name is Thomas L. Johnson Jr. The second on Facebook, you can check him out. He's going to be uploading things. If you want to know more about his business, you can check him out there. But guess what? Glampreneurs, I appreciate you guys for rocking with Life After Beauty School, aka Labs, and joining me every Wednesday to get a new episode. Until next time, Glampreneurs, stay connected. <laughs>